We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsey breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Guy. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dump two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good look. You won't see it. Two-run home run. Trevor Story. Touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders. Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery, the official BSN Denver beer. I am your host, Ali Monroy, and today's show is going to be a little different. We can all pretty much agree the Rockies, the Cucarachas, they've, they've died. They've lost nine in a row, 15 of the last 20, and it's not looking so good. So since it's such a big football week, we will be focusing on football. With that, I've got Ryan Konigsberg here and Henry Chisholm. And we also have former NFL and Buffs football player Matt McChesney, who has his own podcast on our network called Yo. McChesney Unchained. And our newest member to BSN Denver, Andrew Mason. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank we, you. We almost Pleasure. had to kick Mace out because he wore red. It's Wisconsin red. It's, it's <laughs> like Ohio State red. Yeah. What, what red is the hat? Uh, the red is... Uh, Tacoma Rainier's minor league baseball team. It's nothing. Tacoma Rainier's red. Yeah, there you go. Just, I but mean, come on. I'm going with Wisconsin <laughs> red because of sense. Mel Tucker's alma mater. It's the first thing I said to you when I walked in. Like, hey, wrong color, wrong week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, with that, it is a big rival re- rival week. The Buffs are taking on the Nebraska Cornhuskers at 1.30 p.m. at the beautiful Folsom Field. And I could say pretty much everyone in this room is extremely excited. Maybe a little nervous. Well, uh, I'm nervous in the sense that, you know, this, this is just a huge game. Yeah. It's always meant a lot when they play. Um, I'm not nervous in the sense that I think CU is going to lose. I mean, they're underdogs for some odd reason, uh, especially after winning in Lincoln last year. I'd like to think that the the team can rally around last week's very vanilla ass-beating and then kind of use a lot of the perceived negativity because I think a lot of it is fixable. And I honestly, for example, five played 26 snaps total. They didn't show them at all. If you're looking for a way to spy Martinez, just as we get into this, having that guy off the field pretty much the entire game last week, it's going to be pretty hard to identify how they're going to use him this week. So I think Mel Tucker – may have been playing two games on Friday night, to be honest with you. He was, and, and you saw that with LaVisca Chenault, too. Like, there was no, there was only a couple plays that were designed for him. There's the end around on that fourth and two. There's the play-action touchdown pass, which was an incredible play by him. And there was a, just a quick screen that was, you know, nothing special like anyone has that. So they didn't, they didn't want to show a lot of tape on LaVisca. 
Um, and I think for me, it's not nervousness, it's anxiousness. Like I just, yeah. I, I can't wait for this. I'm like losing sleep and, and I, I can't focus because every time my mind wanders, it just goes to this game and I start getting butterflies in my stomach. I love it. I love that feeling. Like it's hard to make it through the week, but it feels good. This is the, this is the only game in all of sports that can get me to feel like this. This is the way it's supposed to be when you say rivalry though. Yep. Yeah. And mm-hmm. You know, on McChesney Unchained, I had yesterday on episode 45, we had Gary Barnett and Dan Graham, Pesaveno uh, hosted it with me, uh, Sean Tufts, Mike Pritchard came into studio, H was there, he produced it for us and did an awesome job. It was, it was good to hear all the different aspects of the rivalry, but one thing that was consistent, Nebraska doesn't have a real one, and Colorado doesn't have a real one. So, I, I, look, CSU's a nice tune-up. It's nice. Get into a major conference, and then I'll talk to you about being a big dog rival. All right? It's a nice tune-up. Nebraska's our rival. And you know what? We're theirs. And if you can sit here and talk about them saying that we're not all they want, they chirp like we're rivals. Yep. Sure do. And I'm telling you, I've been a part of winning in Lincoln three times. I won there in 04 where we ended a 35-year bowl streak, okay, the longest in NCAA history. I was there in 02. The year after we smashed them 62-36 to win the North again to go back to the Big 12 title game and beat them. And then last year when I was on the sideline with Sean and that victory. And in all three instances, it sure seemed like we were rivals after the game. When I was walking out last year and people were thinking about fighting Sean and I, thinking, mind you. Um, <laughs> it, Short thoughts. We got we got a lot of animosity. And I, I know that they're a very – a lot of people say, even Coach Barnett on my show yesterday said they're a very classy fan base, and they're nice, good game. They want to be. They w- they're like that with almost everybody but us. I think, I mean, from everything I've heard, they're very nice in person. But when the online trolls come out, they come out. The things that have been said this week from Nebraska fans, I could – it. It's just so aggravating. I'm. It's just, and like you said, Matt, they do. They are acting like we're rivals. Well, we are. Matt doesn't wear red, but his face is turning that color. Well, put it like this: <laughs> the, Nebraska's had their fair share of tragedy. I know, one hundred percent. And do you do you actually think that any man on a in a University of Colorado uniform, or I don't think any fan would ever, ever be classless enough to say anything about individuals that have passed away that wore Nebraska red. We just talked about this on the BSN Buffs podcast. They're tragedies. You don't make fun of that. At any, about anything. It's like not a that. prodding tool. That's not a, that's not a resource for you to get at your rival. Why, why do they, why their whole thing is Sal is dead or is still dead. Sal's, Sal's dead. Go big red. Where's that's Sal? For the people it's who don't know. But why? why? Disgusting. Why? why do they do, I just don't understand because they, your brain to they, do something They like want that. to get a rise, but it's like, there's a lot, there's a very clear line very in my clear. opinion about where you can go with this type of trash talk and, and the fun back and forth. Like it can be fun. They don't know how to lose. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. so good for so long. That when somebody steps to them other than Oklahoma, they don't know how to be classy about getting beat. And, what, they did, yeah. and they didn't know how to do it then, and they still don't know how to do and it. And I was up in Lincoln a couple of years ago. It was when everything was melting down with Mike Riley. And toward the end, Nebraska fans had reached a point of indifference with Mike Riley. But then you get Scott Frost back in the building, and he's the connection to the glory days. And now they feel like mm-hmm. they've got a on the positive side, puff their, stick their chests out. On the negative side, resort to this stuff. It matters to Nebraska fans again. And with something like this, we've seen it bring out the worst in them. Well, think about this. There's a lot of Nebraska or a lot of Colorado kids on Nebraska's roster. There's no Nebraska kids on Colorado's roster. That's just the way it is. There's not a lot of high school football talent in Nebraska. That's why they go everywhere else to recruit. But when you – I know JoJo Doman. JoJo played at Pine Creek. He's a hell of a player. He was a great high school football player. He's a really good outside linebacker for Nebraska. He's going to be a junior, or he is a junior. For him to be provoked enough in meetings by his head coach Mm -hmm. to come out and disrespect his home state by saying, I am so glad, thank God. Thank God from a kid who I know is really religious, and I'm a godless heathen atheist. 
Okay, Ben, I, and I'm not afraid to say it. I stand up for what I believe. Okay, I just don't know. I got doubts. So, but JoJo very religious. So if he's going to say something like that, he's going to stand behind it. He's not just saying it as a as a figure of speech. For him to say, I am so happy I didn't go there with a smug, sarcastic grin and smile and little laugh. Thank God. If I feel disrespected about it, imagine how all the Colorado kids on CU's roster feel. Okay? And to be honest with you, Nebraska got hit in the mouth last year and embarrassed. And when we beat them, we embarrassed them. And that's the last thing they want in Boulder on Saturday. So I don't know if this is if this is hype to get themselves pumped, if they're trying to dangle the hook to get the buffs to bite. We got nothing to bite on, guys. We whipped that ass last year. We don't need to talk. We're going to come to Folsom. We'll lock the gates, and we'll see if you can survive 60 minutes. And you mentioned the meetings in the, in the coach. And that's, to me, what has been the most mind-blowing part of this is, is I think that Scott Frost has done a really terrible job handling his team this week and and I've, I've mentioned this on a couple of different podcasts now but before this game has started Mel Tucker has already been out coaching Scott Frost all week Mel has his boys acting like pros conducting themselves w- with class and you can only imagine because you, you, the way you said it I think you're in the same boat as me you can only imagine that somewhere Scott Frost is trying to stoke this right now he's trying to, to use it to get his team fired up and I think it can actually really backfire on you to get to get your team that you know wound up about this game. They're throwing it back to the '90s. They're throwing it back to the glory days, like we're talking about. And it's not just bringing in Scott Frost, who was a part of those teams, but also just like the the offense they run, that offense or option offense that they started bringing back last year. It's the same thing that they did back in the day. They're trying to rebuild the glory years of Nebraska football like we're talking about. And that's where that Sal piece comes back in because the fans want those glory days back and Nebraska's trying to feed it to them. And that's what was going on with the rivalry back then. And so I think that that's where that kind of expands and comes back to light in 2019. So I've been a buff my whole life, okay? I I grew up in Boulder County after we moved from Santa Cruz when I was 10. I remember sitting in the stands watching – countless games and you know going through media guy i'm a huge i'm still a huge fan i sit around watch old film i can't help it i'm a junkie we are nebraska is doing what right now what we were doing in 94 96 going into those games because we didn't play at the end of the year in 94 96 that didn't start until 96 we played maybe a month before the season ended we didn't play the day after thanksgiving that didn't happen until 96 when the big 12 was formed so in 94, when they had Tommy Frazier, and that was the best college football team I've ever seen, mm-hmm. Nebraska, Colorado went into Nebraska that year to play the Huskers. They lost 24-7 in Lincoln. Okay, They had every opportunity to win that football game, but we talked about what we were going to do all week. All week, I remember it as a kid. I remember my father talking about it. You know, in the car driving me to school, listening to sports talk back in the day, listening to Zim. Wow, they used to talk about the buffs on they sports used to, talk all the time. Zim, <laughs> Zim Whoa. Uh, Whoa. I'm telling, they used to talk about him just talking about what he would think about it, the you know the direction of the game, the growth of the rivalry, where it is. So there was an off-season for Broncos talk at one point. Well, I mean, I don't know. I was a kid. I'm talking about just <laughs> <Yeah>. the conversation <laughs> with my dad and list, listening to the way that he would talk about how disappointed he was that CU was talking as much as they were and how professional Tom Osborne and the Huskers were acting, mm-hmm. and then Nebraska would win. And in 96, when we had a great team, and our only losses are Michigan at home and Nebraska, same thing. We were talking about how we were going to do it. They were preparing to do it. So they can, again, it's, it's, it's picking your poison. If, if we were playing Coastal Carolina, or if Nebraska was playing Coastal Carolina, or South Alabama, or Northern Illinois, a team that I've seen win in Lincoln in the last three years, by the way. <clears throat> I'm just saying, you can run your mouth all you want, but when you talk about a rivalry that's this heated, we may not be talking, but we can hear you. And the boys in, at the Dow Ward and up there at the Champion Center, they can hear you. 
I mean, with that, Stephen Wanda said they're talking enough for both of us. Such a good that was dig. such yes. a great. Incredible. Incredible. It's one of the Incredible. best lines in the history of the rivalry. It is because it's true. Also, my tweet got like 250 likes, <laughs> and, and it's just like it was, it was a, a clapback without having to do it at all. Like, he got to be classy and take a shot at them at the it's exact perfect. same time. Yep. It was incredible. It's perfect. He handled that whole press conference so well. Because then there was the other line. One of the local columnists asked him, was Colorado or Nebraska better last year? And this is after one of the defensive linemen for Nebraska said this week that Nebraska should have won. They were the better team. Yeah, it's I a lot saw that longer than that quote, too. Yeah, yeah I bet you did. <laughs> you lost. <laughs> you you should have done a lot of stuff, but you took an L. And Montez gets asked whether Colorado is the better team. And he paused for a second, took his time, collected his thoughts, and then said, you guys the ones who get to watch every game? So you tell me. Boom. Perfect. Like, that's mm. NFL-caliber right. press conference stuff from a quarterback. Got I to be classy. It. Perfect. And clap back at the same time. Ryan, you and I were talking about anybody. this earlier, right? We're talking about the difference between Mac and his press conferences. Not to degrade or anything. We're just calling it what it is. The difference between Mac and his press conferences and the conferences and the, the confidence of his team and how you can see it resonate or not. And now Mel Tucker and his confidence and the way he answers questions. For example, tell everybody about the example about the, the kid that ran for all the yards and attacked the edges and the way that, you know, it, it was the, the difference between a soft edge defense and the way that they shut it down in the second half. Okay. I can't remember if you were telling me this. Or if you were telling me this, I think it was me. I think it was you. Yeah. And the the 120 yards in the first half and two touchdowns for the the freshman from CSU, and they had 11 yards in the second half and one touch. So they changed at halftime. What was the biggest knock on Mac? No adjustments. He never adjusted no ever. Adjustments. Ever. We just saw Mel adjust, and then in the press conference, in the press conference for him to be. Co- cohesive enough with his own with his own players to say, I saw all this in practice. I, I I thought we would struggle and we did. It sounds like a guy who's actually watching practice and wants to fix the problem, and he's not just talking about you know a hypothetical way to do it to appease the media. And I've talked, uh, I've plugged this story a couple times, but last week I wrote a story about Mel Tucker, and in that story, he talked about how. A game in 1998 when Michigan State was playing Ohio State. Ohio State was undefeated, ranked number one in the country. And he said Nick Saban's halftime adjustments changed his life because they were so good. And it was so great for me to see him talk about that to Henry and I when we were sitting in his office. And in the very first game, he goes out and makes some incredible halftime adjustments. They come out in the, half, in the second half and win the game 28-10 to 10 in that half. And I'm like, ah, not only does, does he understand it, he can also apply it. Ryan and I were sitting in Mel Tucker's office, and Ryan asks, what was the most life-changing moment of, of your life? Your entire life. A- anything. And Mel Tucker says, there was this game. Nick Saban was coaching. We were down a lot at halftime. Like, that's where his mind went. It wasn't like, I, I, he has two kids. He's married. He has a family. That was the life-changing moment. <laughs> I right hope there. his family didn't <laughs> read those. But then, again, but then again, you think about that. Talking about football. But also the connection in Nick Saban and how it's made Mel Tucker. And how yeah. he's worked with Saban at Michigan State, at LSU, at Alabama, and how that has shaped him into the coach he is. When you watch Mel Tucker, demeanor on the sideline, press conference demeanor, that's an NFL coach I mean, who he, happens to be leading the bus. He's that's, one cool cat. Yeah. He is. He is and, really cool. <laughs> and, that's, and the team is taking on his personality the same way that Nebraska is taking on Scott Frost's exactly. personality. Exactly. We, he's we've got childish, wound up. Well, little baby thank they, which is they, fun, sure which they, is fun. It, but it worked at UCF because UCF is kind of in that aspirational yes. yeah, because you're right with Memphis but it's not <laughs> Nebraska it's not Nebraska right what works in Orlando does not work in Lincoln and now all of a sudden you have Mel Tucker with and I said this to Henry on on his pod it's quiet confidence that's that that is Mel Tucker and that's the way the buffs are carrying themselves this week he's the shaft of college football coaching <laughs> all right well with <laughs> I'm that I'm telling you Let's get into the actual game. We watched CU versus CSU, and there were some issues that can be concerning for this upcoming game. So let's start with you, Ryan. What are you expecting to see, and how do you expect Mel to improve that secondary? First of all, I'm expecting an offensive shootout. Uh, okay. the, the number in Vegas, I believe, is 65 and a half or something along that line. And those lines, I think that's going over. I think there's going to be points scored. Um, I do expect Adrian Martinez to look better than he did against South Alabama. 
Um, Could he look worse? It'd be yeah, hard. It's not going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, I expect this to be a high-scoring game, a highly contested game. The place that worries me from a Buffs perspective is team speed on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Martinez, he can get out. He can run around. They have a couple, you know, really solid backs. They have some speed at wide receiver. I didn't see the swarming to the to the football that I would have hoped to see from the Buffs last week. Um, so that's the one thing that concerns me. What doesn't – what makes me feel pretty confident uh, is the fact that Nebraska has issues on defense. They should not have given up that many points – to South Alabama, and it could have been more. Like they had some big time mistakes down in the red zone, uh, and I still think they are are not necessarily comfortable in the system. Like you should be able if you if if Scott Frost was coaching UCF, like if he just took his UCF team from last year, from a couple years ago, or even just you know last year, like and put them out there against South Alabama. They would have put up 70 points. Mm-hmm. They would have. Well, they had more talent at UCF than he inherited at Nebraska. And, it, and UCF now still has more talent than he has at Nebraska. Exactly. So I think that system has not, has not gelled yet. It hasn't clicked yet yeah. uh, in Nebraska. And I think the Buffs will have a chance to make some plays. It's going to have to be turnover. They're going to have to create some turnovers. And I think that's what both defenses are going to have to do to, to kind of stop the, the offensive rush because I think it will be a really offensive game. Henry, what about you? I think the big storyline here is that neither team really will look like what they looked like last week. The The common theme in both camps has been like, you know, this is this was very vanilla stuff. This was just like a warm-up. This is testing out the base base defense, testing out what happens if LaVisca's on the bench, that sort of stuff. That's not going to be the case this week. They're going to be using everything they have. The buffs aren't just going to be in that base defensive package, that 3-4. They're going to be using the star position more and the money position more. We've talked about that a lot on the Buffs podcast, the star being the hybrid outside linebacker slot cornerback role and the money being an inside linebacker uh, safety hybrid. And so the big difference is going to be that we are going to see, I really believe, Davion Taylor, who played not much at all, not much at all in that first game. He was telling me earlier in camp that he feels most comfortable at the money position. He's listed at the starter at the star. I know we're getting pretty deep into the football here. <laughs> but uh, but, uh, so but basically, he, he's been working on the cover skills to play in the slot. But what he has better than anybody else is this inside linebacker safety hybrid role. He's fast. He's physical. He's big. He's mean. I think that he's going to be the guy who they put out there to mirror Adrian Martinez and it's going to be on him to really stop that option attack as much as anybody else. If I can jump in really quick, uh, we had this conversation before the podcast and I think this is interesting now. This kind of breaks what we were saying about the Buffs not not opening their mouths but this just came out uh, from Max Olsen who dropped the hammer. covers the uh, college football for the athletic. Uh, quote from Davion Taylor oh, on nice. Adrian Martinez. He said, we have to keep him in the pocket and make him pass. If we make him pass, I feel like that's one of his weaknesses. Well, that's just it's that's not that's common sense. Not like it's common sense. <laughs> but it is. But I mean, calling a quarterback's passing one of his it weaknesses is a I don't think yeah. that's a shot. Truth. Uh, that's not a shot. It is. It's not a shot. But they, Nebraska will turn that into bulletin they board. They have yeah, to because that, they don't have other options. Right. Look, look, look. They can talk all they want. I think the buffs can respond however they want. Absolutely. However they want because of the ridiculous nature of the ex-rival and Doman's quotes and the defensive lineman's quote. They've got one guy in every room that's talking plus the head coach, plus the fan base. We've got one dude that just said he's, you know, he's got some weaknesses throwing the football, which is a fact. Yep, and and that is the plan. So it has to be take away the running game and make Martinez beat you, and and CU wins. I compared it to the way the uh, the Broncos approached Russell Wilson last year in Week One. Makes a lot of sense. Adrian Martinez isn't a professional player. He's a great college quarterback. Maybe. 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 He's a really good athlete. We'll put it like that. Set the pocket and let your your outside linebackers actually make plays from the inside. You know, don't don't go around him and allow him to sneak out. Make him run into their arms. Matt, what My do you turn? think? Yep. Okay, so a couple of things. Number one, 
going full circle here, talking about not running around the quarterback. It's a massive problem when they rush the passer. It was a massive problem last year. It's a massive problem everywhere. It's a massive problem on Sunday in the NFL. Running around the quarterback is a death sentence. It allows quarterbacks to sneak, allows them to extend the pocket and either run or throw on the run, which most of them are pretty versed in doing. So... There's three players on defense, and they're all three in the middle of the defense, consequently, that I think are the keys to winning this football game, and they are five, Landman and Mustafa Johnson. We have to have face pressure on Martinez. If we can face pressure Martinez and get him off the spot in the pocket and force them to bootleg and force them to do everything off of play action and pocket movement, it cuts the field in half. And it will allow the ball hawk players that we saw last week with four turnovers and the safety from SMU, the what's his name? Mikhail Onu. Yeah, that kid's a freak. He had two picks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let him go back there and roam around and try and make plays. Keep everything in front of you and let Mustafa wear out a three technique. Now, in order for that to happen, you've got to be able to slide away from him, which means another defensive lineman needs to step up. Lang needs to go make some plays. Somebody inside's got to push the pocket too or Mustafa's going to get double the whole time. Lamman. I need 15 tackles. I need I need an I need a Joey Johnson afternoon. Shout out the way Joey Johnson <laughs> showed up against Nebraska in 01. The 13 tackles on the on the sheet. Tufts had like nine, but Joey was everywhere. And he was a backup. And he was a backup. Deshaun didn't even play. Imagine if Deshaun would have been on the field. Oh my God. 36 would have been Woo! the number. Woo! But <laughs> uh, you know, so I need that kind of afternoon out of Lamin, and I think he can be that guy. He missed some tackles last week. The one where he chased the guy that, mm, that caught the screen, down. yeah, into the corner, and it was third and twelve, and he missed him bad. Mm -hmm. He didn't use the sideline at all to help himself. That's a teachable moment. We aren't going to see that again. Out no, of you're not. It's a teachable moment. He'll be taught what to do, how to use the sidelines, leverage, and how to not overrun your target. Landman needs to be the best player on the field from his position. Essentially, Mustafa's got to outplay 94. Landman's got to outplay the middle linebacker from Nebraska. And, and then when you look at the, the money position, Taylor. Yep. You pressure Martinez, and Taylor's either going to be the guy getting picks or the guy spying Martinez. Yep. Put five on two. He's and 20 just now. On 20. They Who's 20? His number. Davion. Davion's 20? Yeah. All right, cool. Surprise so, me too. So put, put 20 on two and let 20 spy him, and then Green Dog blitz him. And if you don't know what that means, it's if you put 20 on the field and you move him around, it forces Nebraska to do what's called radar. And if they're blocking four plus one and they also have to deal with a blitzing 20 and they don't know when. So if the back stays in, 20 doesn't come. But if the back releases and they think 20 has him, 20 gets to blitz. That's green dogging. And it puts a ton of pressure on quarterbacks that are used to just looking at one thing and throwing the football, which is exactly what Martinez done, does. It's all one read. That's, like deep, that's defense. I feel like you're talking dirty to me right now. I, <laughs> it's incredible. I'm telling you. I'm getting incredible. Incredible. bothered over here but, with but all this the, football. It's that honey sweet baritone, baby. <laughs> say I'm giving eargasms. Drip, drip, drip. Oh okay? So I will say this. Offensively, it's going to be the ability for Tim Lanott to control the line of scrimmage vocally. To walk up, identify the front correctly, find the linebacker that they think. I guarantee you they're going to be jumping down and out, out and out and down. They're going to be pressing gaps and bailing. That's what Barrett Rude, the, the outstanding linebacker coach for Nebraska, who I played against in college, he's a really good dude. Okay, I mean, I hate him this week, but you know, 38, you're a great dude. But this week, you know how I feel. <laughs> so he's going to have his guys jazzed and ready to play. We have to be able to walk up and identify, and then while Montez is back there trying to figure out what he's going to do, we need to be able to, to change. On offense, we cannot be so stubborn thinking that we don't have the ability to do certain things. If they stop us running the ball early, find a different way to run the ball. Don't give up on it. No lateral offense. Everything downhill on Nebraska. You can't run lateral on these guys. Run downhill. Hit them in the mouth. Hit them in the mouth, bloody their lip, or it'll be all day long. Sorry. <laughs> so that that's number one. Number two, use LaViscus as a decoy as much as you do in the game. He's going to get 10, 12 catches and a ton of touches. But I'm saying wheel route play actions when he's running the slip screens. Put him at tailback. See how they react. Like how many different offensive personnel groupings can you show them 
and then explode out of to create confusion. Because if you get LaViscus lined up on a safety or a linebacker just because of the alignment issues, that's immediately six points. And you can do that same stuff with KD too. One hundred percent. He's also very versatile. Tony Brown. He, Tony Brown yeah. is a major matchup nightmare. Number nine, Harris, the new tight end kid, is a night, matchup nightmare. He's huge and he can run. Brady Russell. Uh, it might be the most important player on the field because he's the point of attack and the scissors blocking scheme and at fullback. And he caught had a couple big catches last week as well and down the middle of the field, which is something CU's lacked for years. All right. And then when it comes down to it, okay, it's not Montez. Steven's going to be fine. He beat them in Lincoln last year. He knows how to beat this team. Nebraska's talking about how to beat us. We know how to beat you. We hadn't played since 2010. The warm-up game last year, if that's how you want to look at it, bros, okay, great. We warmed up. You didn't. So we got the W. We know how to beat you. There's a quiet confidence in CU's locker room. You're hoping that you can talk enough to get your confidence up to come beat us in Folsom. Just like the players from CU – just like they walked into Lincoln last year and were enamored with how big it is and how loud it is, CU is no slouch. It's going to be filled to the brim. It's going to be the loudest, most ruckus, hatred-filled atmosphere they've ever experienced because they're used to just going to play games in the Big Ten. They've never walked into this environment. The environment and then the ability for Mel Tucker to change on the fly. Again, defense is about being, being super physical and being the best player at all three levels and outplaying the other guys on defense. Offense is about being able to change, showing them one thing, doing another, and then the ability for Mel Tucker to do what Coach Mack struggled with for so long, which is simply just step back and say, my plan isn't worth a damn if we can't scrap it and change it. Right. All right, Mace, what do you think? How do you think the Buffs will do this weekend? Very well. CU is going to own this game front seven against Nebraska's O-line. Nebraska did precisely bupkis running between the tackles against South Alabama they were bad, last week. <laughs> Only stuff they accomplished on the ground was to the outside. Up the middle, nothing there. I and felt it's like not the outside stuff was all speed-related, yeah, too. Exactly. Just their kids are faster. Right. It, had nothing, it had nothing, nothing to do with scheme. the line, nothing yeah. to do with the push they got up front. And the three defense, uh, the yeah. three special touchdowns, I'll call them, were all just be- also just having better players. You had a right. strip sack because the quarterback couldn't see – didn't – protect his own blind side you had a punt return which was just a guy being faster than everyone and uh you had a pick six which was again just a bad throw from the quarterback and they don't have a speed advantage to make those kind of plays in this game another thing nebraska last week missed 11 tackles mm. 11 wow. tackles and 117 yards on the ground for cu last week came after contact that could, that number could be bigger this week if nebraska tackles the way they did on Saturday. All right, Folsom Field on Saturday is going to be crazy. Lit. <laughs> so lit. It's wartime. A, lo- a lot of your BSN fam is going to be there. We have an official tailgate. We'll be on Franklin Field, a BSN BST tailgate, so be sure to stop by and say hello. While you're heading down to Boulder, why not stop by Total Beverage? Total Bev is giving the BSN fam 30% off of your purchase, $25 or more. They also deliver, run out of run out of alcohol at your tailgate, just hit them up and they'll deliver something to you. Plus they offer CBD products from drinks to gummies. You can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. So don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off of your purchase of $25 or more. Welcome back into the show. We are now going to talk some Broncos as they are taking on the Raiders at 8.20 p.m. at the Coliseum on Monday. Guys, this is another rivalry game. Absolutely. And unfortunately, it the, the, this rivalry, I feel like, has actually lost a bit of its, its hate over time. Um, and, and that can happen sometimes when a team uh, is, is inept for so long as the Raiders have been. Um, it kind of reminds me of CSU, honestly. Like, once you just are bad for so long, the, the rivalry loses some of its luster. And, and that, like, you could feel that last week. Like, there really wasn't that much passion. <laughs> coming from the CSU side, even my like diehard CSU fan friends weren't even like excited about the game. So <laughs> the Broncos obviously haven't been good for the last couple of years either, but the Raiders have been very bad for a while now. Yeah, that's the nicest way to say it. One real, se- one real decent season. And I think because of that, you've just lost some of the hate. 
They've been a train wreck. They suck. And they're a train wreck right now. Yeah, they're not good. Oh, yeah. They've been like four different train wrecks. And we've got to see it all on Hard Knocks. Guys. Well, not all. No, we didn't see it. was whitewashed. Yeah, that, that's that, true. That was <laughs> that the sucks. worst was Hard terrible. Knocks I agree. they've ever had. It, it was bad. My wife and I were watching it together on Tuesday night, and she's like, you know, ordinarily with Hard Knocks, I find myself getting to know these guys and pulling for these guys. I don't feel like I know them after five weeks, and I said, yeah, that's what they were trying to do. The, the Raiders put so much control over this that the whole thing just felt like a promotional video for it, Raider Nation it was also and going to Las Vegas. It was it, boring. It Sucks. was also like every storyline that they did try and go into, they got cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, like, when Brandon Marshall actually does get cut, all of a sudden this last episode, they care about him. Yeah. We hear nothing from him, and then the last episode, it's like, here he is. He would have been a relationship. They didn't have, like, who was the interesting character? Like, they didn't build one interesting character in that show. Like, that's the whole point. Get us, you know, build characters, and maybe one gets cut, and, like, that's interesting. Like, the Keelan Doss thing, I didn't even watch. I honestly haven't even been motivated to watch the The only thing interesting was John Gruden getting insight into how he I can watch John eviscerates his quarterback. That's incredible. He's entertaining. From watching him interact. With Mike Glennon and Nathan Peterman in particular, they roasted Mike Glennon yeah. so bad. Yeah, that you was can, amazing. You can see why. But y'all neck. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you can see why that all the cor- most of the quarterbacks in Tampa, the young guys that came through during his years coaching the Bucks, you can see why they eventually petered out, and why the veterans that he brought in, like a Bragg Johnson, who took John Gruden to the Super Bowl back in '02. That was the only kind of quarterback that he could really click with. He's your favorite player of all time as well, too, I know. Because he led the Bucks to a yeah, Super Bowl. I know you, Mace. I know. Deep down. <laughs> and, he's all, hey, and he's also an NFL Europe guy, See? and I miss See? NFL See? Europe. He got him NFL going. Europe he awesome. got him going. Yes. I played <laughs> NFL <laughs> Europe, baby. Exactly. First team, all pro, NFL <laughs> Europe right here. <laughs> Frank, the Frankfurt Digital Buttholes. <laughs> We need a developmental league. We need a developmental league because... I remember that logo. <laughs> that remember logo? logo? I used yeah. to always play with... Go Digital! <laughs> Galaxy. Uh, we wow. apologize you were to saying? anyone who has headphones. Oh yeah. come on! <laughs> it's rivalry week. I looked at that. Wake Galaxy, up. I looked at that Galaxy logo for 15 years, and I never saw that. That's okay. impressive. I looked at it for 15 minutes, and that's all I can see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed. This is good content. Never I, 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 all I'll say about the Raiders is this, okay? You can't convince me that you are going to be a good football team when you go out and invest all your leadership in Richie Incognito, Vontez Burfitt, and Antonio Brown. I mean, how stupid do we look? Apparently, uh, Vontez Burfitt was one having to hold back Antonio Brown from going after oh Mike Mayock. Be- oh, because wow. Mayock wants him to be a pro. Peacemaker? Right. When Vontez Burfitt has to tell you to chill... Uh, you've gone down a dark path. You know how I feel about Burfitt, though. He's a telephone tough guy. Yeah. He's not. Really? He's not tough against other guys that are really tough. He just takes mm. cheap shots. Like, like look, Brown. Incognito is a real psycho tough guy. He's one of the best players I ever played against. He will literally try and hurt you, and he's good enough to do it. If he wasn't as crazy as he is, he'd probably be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He's a really good football player. He's like a, a, a offensive line version of Romo. He's really good. Okay, now Still good. He's psycho, and that should help him, but it doesn't. Burfitt is a, is a real – he's the kind of guy that will – talk crap on social media and then when he sees you be like hey buddy how you doing i just love you everything you do is so great <laughs> and just, you're the best can i get an autograph I'm like what you just told me that you hated me on social media and you wanted to kill me so uh, burfitt's that kind of guy and then antonio brown's a, uh, an absolute narcissist yeah. i have never even to i played with lavernius coles who was really just a good dude that people thought was selfish and he's just a good what is wrong with the receivers bro <laughs> what in the hell is wrong with these guys antonio you're gonna fight mike mayock because he wants you to be a pro yeah I mean, it just and then you cut it, what pisses me off about the nfl so much is keenan Doss did everything right mm-hmm. and he gets cut and Antonio Brown, because he is good, but because of the money you invested in him, you have to put up with this diva crap. It's so – some kid out there that's talented is watching this, and we're going to have another Antonio Brown in 10 years. With that, do you guys think we actually see Antonio Brown this week? Mace? I'm going to guess no. No? It's, it's not trending that way. He's not supposed to practice today. They're really going to suspend him? I think you, you have to. 
now that more details are coming out, uh, apparently, he's, like he's not gonna hell, he's not gonna take the suspension and go home and look in the mirror. If but I, I got suspended, I would go home and be like, wow, what did I do to get suspended? How have I well, gotten to this point? He thinks he's right. Well, it's, well, it's right it. there in front of the whole team as well if he was having that outburst yesterday. It reminds me of uh, when Steve Smith punched Ken Lucas. It was it was in 08 in camp. It was right there in practice in front of everybody. It was the second time he punched a teammate. And they suspended him for two games. But at least Steve Smith, I think, had, he had the self-awareness to go back, reflect, and then come and then come back a better person. Like I don't Steve know if AB has that. too. Uh, he's the kind of Steve, teammate that I would like to have. I, I don't know if I could be on a team with Antonio. Well, the Brown. thing with Steve Smith, what got it, he had an anger. He had a bit of an anger management problem, but it was never you a question. Don't que- say. Yeah, <laughs> but it was never a question of is he going to show up for practice. Yeah. My think, point. He likes yeah. football. Right. It's it's his release. I think Antonio's just good at it. I think the suspension himself. would be more to to show all the other players. It's a to, it's a money thing. Yeah. If, Mon- if oh. he gets suspended for conduct detrimental to the team, he'll default, game check. He will default on his guarantees, oh. which means they can Whoa. cut him and save $30 yeah. million. So, wow. look, is that what this is leaning towards? I, I would not be surprised if, I if just, Antonio Brown doesn't ever play a game as a They're not a cash-rich organization. He's not worth this headache. And, and the funny thing is I was pro-Antonio Brown when he was available. I, you know, I was talking about how he can make an electric offense and all this stuff, but I thought, like, a fresh start would send him back towards a good path. I don't think he, he could do this off, in Denver. He went further off the, the, the map. Like, he went he went crazier once he got out of the you Steelers think thing. You think he could pull this in Denver? You think John would let what that happen? What happens if he shows up? I don't think he could pull this. I don't think he could do this. I don't think even Elway would be the guy I think stepping Vic, up. I think Vic Fangio would be going up to Elway and saying, trade this guy. Uh, Fangio, Fangio would not stand for it, number one. But I think the locker room, I don't think this locker room would allow it. I don't think that Vaughn and Chris Harris exactly. and those Chris guys Harris. would allow it. You saw what they did to loudmouth offensive players when we couldn't even convert a third down. What are they going to do with Antonio Brown running his mouth and affecting the entire team? Right. Well, and I didn't. And and we have Emmanuel Sanders, who knows Antonio. When I was pro Antonio Brown, I didn't think that he. Would, I, I thought, like I said, I thought a fresh start would help him. It's. It seems like, you know, there's the whole narrative that John Elway hired Vance Joseph because he wanted to be able to walk all over him. It almost feels like Antonio Brown went to the Raiders because he's like, well, I got to go to a place where I can do whatever the heck I want, and they're not going to say anything. This about is it. my point. John Gruden is his friend. Fangio would be his boss. Yeah. Knock on wood if you're with me. <laughs> First, first chime in from Andre Simone over there running the board. That's a good one board. too. Good. <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting on that one this like, whole segment. You're like Montez. You don't need to say much, but it's good. <laughs> the thank John Cusack of Sports Talk Radio. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the game. How do you guys think the Broncos will do against the Raiders with a new quarterback and new head coach? First time we actually get to see I'll, this offense, really. Well, let's say Antonio Brown doesn't play. Then where is the Raiders' explosiveness coming from? Jacobs and List. And Jacobs is a big question mark. I mean, John Gruden was a little bit reticent at best when he was asked about Josh Jacobs and how he'd be used and how he was coming along on Wednesday. So I don't think they feel he's all the way there at this point. This feels like a game, if Antonio Brown doesn't play, this feels like a a game the Broncos, even with offensive issues, even even if you have some of the awkwardness of going to a new scheme and guys that still getting to know each other, that they could grind out a 20-10 to 10 win. I'm worried about it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not worried about the players I'm wor- on the Raiders. I'm worried about the Broncos' inability to win in Oakland over the last couple of years. The game always gets weird. That's what I'm saying. It's not, it's not a talent thing. It's the field is either garbage and nobody can cut and the, you know, the ball's soaking wet all the time. Well, Shelby Harris says you can't get your footing on this that. This is my point. I mean, I've, I've played in Oakland Alameda. It's awful. Okay. The fans are going to be drinking for three days straight. It's the last game on Monday night. You're going to be sitting around all weekend waiting to play plus all day Monday. It's just there. Everything that could go wrong here is going wrong. They may catch a break with Antonio Brown getting, uh, suspended, but honestly, I'd rather him play because he hasn't had any I, time with Carr, and they're going to try and force him the football, and we can go out there and attack the fact that they're serving it up to 84 because all he does is moan about not getting the rock. So if we can throw him out, him out there and they're not ready, I think it's more of an advantage if he does play that if he doesn't, the Raiders are used to Antonio not being there. 
So I'm worried about the Broncos on opening night. I'm not going to lie. I hope that they show up ready to play on defense because let's just be honest here, okay? The last two years alone, they have gotten their absolute asses kicked in Oakland on defense. And for this defensive team to be as good as it is, last year I watched Bradley Roby literally quit in the middle of a football play and have a conversation with an Oakland wide receiver as they scored a touchdown to beat us with the muscle hamster. Think about what's going on, going on at cornerback in the last two trips to Oakland. Roby, like you mentioned. And then the what the fight, God. right? The, the Tlaib, Tlaib fight. tree chain <laughs> thing. In 2017, a good starting point for this game is simply having Chris Harris Jr., Bryce Callahan, and then Kareem Jackson in sub packages actually making it through the game without incident and issue. Do I think we're better? Yeah, I do. I think this defense has the opportunity to be really, really, really good, especially if Flacco plays the way Joe can play with good defense. But this game, it's like you said, Ryan, it's weird. It's always something about it. Oakland Alameda is the by far the worst facility in the country, not just in the NFL. It is god-awful. So, do I think Denver can win? Absolutely. I am not saying they're going to, but I think they, they have all the ability to do it. It's just a matter of doing it. One thing with the Raiders, too, this is an, not just a must-win. It's an absolute win for them. Because after this game, they have Kansas City at home. That's an L. And then they start the run of five straight games away from Oakland, at Minnesota, at Indianapolis. For five weeks? A month away? They're not back home after week two until November the 3rd. That is, that's, that's what wild. kind of scheduling Their is quote that? Their quote-unquote home game is in London against oh. the Bears. Oh, my God. And then a bye, and then at Green Bay. Wow. I almost Houston. cursed right there. They lose this game. They're staring down the barrel of 0-7. Yeah. At least... At least, yeah, that, it, yeah, it's Ooh. it's interesting in that fashion. I just if you take Antonio Brown off the field, and I get what you're saying about the chemistry, Where's I just the vertical threat. I don't out there. I see. I don't see a path to the 20 point range for them. Like no. I think if you take Antonio Brown out of this game, it's going to be like a 17 point ceiling. I think it's 17 13 with him playing. So uh, the Broncos defense is is going to be really good. I said this last night on a podcast, so I'll share it here. It's my hot take of the year. I think it's going to be the best. Uh, defense in football this year and so is it, it could be 2015 if it is they can if win it is they're a super bowl, right. team. A super bowl <laughs> team the hard thing 100%. about 2015 is just the turnover like you can never predict the like, you can't predict jamal charles but isn't that what in. vic's here for right he's mr turnover he absolutely is. but you just can't predict the bounces like a lot of 2015's defense the kansas city bounce the, yeah right it bounces right into bradley roby's chest and he takes the it last the game of the year with you know the, the chargers and osweiler yeah, yeah, okay. a lot of things went their in, way in the fourth quarter there well they, we're talking about pittsburgh and antonio brown full circle they here didn't get into last year he antonio brown came to denver last year and had three catches he so, had nine catches three on chris harris okay three on harris i'm all right, never mind. My point's <laughs> completely dead in the water. Yeah, I mean, as Erase an opponent. Erase that, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> as an opponent, though, I'm still just thinking, put Antonio Brown as close to everybody else in that locker room as much as you huh. possibly can. It's not like, going to matter. Keep him there. I'm just telling keep him there. you, right now, he does not care. He is making five times more money than anybody else in the room, and he's the only guy in the room that thinks he's untouchable. He is not worried about what anybody in that room feels like. He doesn't care what John Gruden thinks. He thinks he's right, and he's got all this money, quote-unquote, because consequently it's really not that much. And I'm telling you, Antonio Brown is literally walking himself out of the NFL right now. The guys in the league hate this. Why would you ever want that on your team? Like Because I, he's a good am, receiver. But I'm forgetting I, about I, the good receiver part. I can't even remember the plays You have he's to making. forget. Uh, yeah, it's... It's a mess, and I, I don't think it really makes a difference one way or the other whether he plays or not. I think that the Broncos are just the better football team with the better coaches, and they should win because of that. To me, the big thing here is Colt Miller's going to have to pass block against Chubb or Von Miller out on the edges, and if Carr is, is pressured, they're in trouble. So I don't know how that offense is going to have any success. You figure Trent Brown's going to hold up his end of the bargain on one side. Trent and, Brown is a monster. And... Von Miller said that Trent Brown's about the toughest guy he's ever faced. Bro, I, I thought Trent Brown last year was the best player in the playoffs. I've watched yeah. every snap of the Charger game. I've watched Kansas City several times and the Super Bowl. 
coaches tape at the lab at six zero, and Trent Brown is not blocking people. Trent Brown is destroying people, and the running game is right off his ass with him and Gronkowski the whole game. Their tray blocks and his deuce blocks are vicious. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they didn't resign him, and I can't believe the Broncos didn't go after him. Yeah, honestly, I mean, look, I know you want to sit around and talk about how you have faith in your first round tackle, but you can sit here and talk about Colton Miller. I don't care who they have. We have seven two. And until 72 gets his head out of his ass, we're in trouble. He's going to get us beat, guys. I don't. An average pass rusher can get under his skin. It's not physical with Garrett. It's all mental. Well, he shouldn't need help from Troy Fumagalli chipping well, him. Ever. And, and you know what? Solomon Thomas moved. Yes. And that's what chip blocks are supposed to do. He's supposed to just avoid you, and now it's supposed to help. Number one, Mace. Ryan, okay? Everybody. How many times have you really seen elite left tackles have to be slid to? How many times have Walter never. Jones require I, a slide no, protection never, to I him? I don't think I ever Ryan saw Clady? anyone sliding to Clayton. Ever. Never. It wasn't even a quick. You sit in the offensive line meeting room, and every single protection is going away from 78. It's the easiest scheme on earth. I'm going to yep. go to my Wisconsin well here. I watched Paul Gruber for 10 years down in Tampa. Joe I Thomas. I never saw him chipped. Never see, saw Joe so, Thomas. That's what chipped. I'm saying. Elite left tackles good don't. Left tackles. Just good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Yeah. Good left tackles in this league don't need slide protection help. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you this, the Broncos are going to be isolated on the right side of the offensive line with three techniques and five techniques and rushers with pirate concepts where they pinch the players and roll linebacker the entire season. Well, they bring in – I mean, we all – I love Dalton Reisner. Great – very good player. Yep. Better person. You've known him. Good for kid. I've been working years. with him since he was 15. Yep. Yes. But the fact that they bring in Dalton Reisner, a rookie, and part of it is to help Garrett Bowles. That's that not he good. Can se- that a rookie can is supposed to help settle a three-year veteran. It's not that, fair to no. Dalton. It's not good, bro. It's not, no, it it's not good. It blows my mind that that's it, it, what they feel Dalton like they have to do. Dalton needs to be in there learning from everyone. Yeah. It's not, Look, it's the not entire fair to offensive line room is centered around how to make sure Garrett's okay and that everyone else figure it out. And that sucks. You have Mike Munchak, and you're wasting Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper, mind you. That's something that people don't talk about enough. Chris Cooper's the next great one. Chris Cooper is going to be one of the best offensive line coaches in the history of this game when he gets his opportunity to coach. I hope it's here. Really do. If Munchak gets a head job down the road, Chris is going to, as good of a player he was, he's going to be that kind of coach. And I know it. And I'm telling you, if the coaches last year can't figure him out, and Munchak and Cooper can't figure it out. It's not the coaches, everybody. It's not Munchak. It's not Cooper. It's not Fangio. You could rack, you could walk Jackie Slater out there to teach him. Okay, it's Garrett. So what what is it going to take? Is it this bench. season him not doing well the for it, for the Broncos to cut him? Yeah, the no, 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 well, not a, this is the end. Don't of the cut him. Bench him. They have to decide on the fifth year option by next They're March not anyway. This, him? No yeah, way. This is the it moment. It's. I can't, Guys, I'm not it say doesn't th- matter what Garrett does. The first time something negative happens, the world is going to go nuts. I mean, it yeah, happened during the true. preseason and the fans booed him. That's what I'm saying. Him. The preseason, that one, the two plays, people freaked out. Yeah, if there's a hold because he's led the league in holding penalties for left tackles each of the last two years. And in and college. If, and in college, yeah. Three years. Shock. Player who was grabby in college is grabbing at the next level. And I even remember, mm-hmm. like, Vance Joseph explaining that away when they drafted him. It was like, you oh, know he was, I'm like, a the Ram- most... Yeah, I remember hearing that, and you know I'm a Ram check guy, so... Yeah, I mean... Uh, he's a good player, too. He's, yeah. he's an all-pro or they, a pro bowler. They should have had Ram check. Look, 100%. what really bothered me also is now the players are becoming apologists. I, I understand the coach being an apologist. That's his job. Yeah. It's his job to guard his players from the media and try and, uh, you know, make everybody in the media think that what they're thinking is wrong. And be like, well, is he really that bad, or am I just am I blind, or is this happening? I don't know. You question your own logic as a media member. Now, when you have Derek Wolf, who I think is a really hard nosed alpha ass mm-hmm. kicker out there, and a guy who could play maybe in any era, that kind of player, okay, and someone that Vaughn cherishes as a teammate. All right, when he comes out and says Garrett was holding because he cares about his quarterback, it makes me want to throw up. And until someone is is more constructive with their criticism in a, in a way that he can actually take it as a man and improve, 
we are screwed. I think they're in a position though where they're like they're trying to figure out what works for him because, like you said, it's mental. It's all mental. He so, takes everything personally. So I think his teammates are honestly trying to. Their their arms distance, because, bro. Because they know that if if they're too hard on him, then it's going to send him into a hole. So, in my opinion, and this isn't fact, this is my opinion. Garrett's the kind of guy where if if he would make a mistake and McGovern and Larry walked up to him and said, look, we need to do it like this, instead of stepping back and understanding that we're five fingers on a fist, not one thumb, you're not the thumb and then four dudes. We're all five together. We can't operate unless we're all together. If we're all wrong but we're together, we're right. So he, we're not attacking you. We're trying to get you to understand what we're talking about. And if he, he takes it so personally that he shuts down on the field – and nobody can talk to him. So the, the problems don't even get solved because there's no way to solve the problem. You can't articulate the point to 72. He's got to figure out it's not personal, dude. It's business. And you're taking it personally. And to be honest with you, it's going to cost you your job. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier when you mentioned just briefly, like, this is wasting Mike Munchak. If you just have Garrett Bowles on one side and you know every play, you're helping him out, you're chipping, you, you don't get to do all of the smart, creative things that Mike Munchak is Thank brought you. in here to do. That's what is so important. And if until they get that fixed, until they have five guys who can handle a one-on-one block against an average defender, you don't get to be creative because you need to help that guy out every single Everything play. is about how do we get 72 ready instead of Munchak and Cooper up there mm-hmm. scheming the hell out of somebody. Okay, we can we can talk about this topic for hours. So we're going to move on. We're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, we've been talking a lot about rivals. So we're going to talk about what's the best rival in Colorado, not just football. And then we'll also have our favorite segment, Who Won the Week? Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Anne and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me with my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome back to the show. So we've talked a lot about rivals, like I said, but we've kind of talked about how the Broncos and the Buffs have don't have that solidified. What about the other teams, guys? What is the best rival in Colorado? It's an interesting question because... How many true rivalries are sap? I mean, the closest thing you have is anything with the Broncos, right? Broncos Raiders, but that's probably not even the best Broncos rivalry right now. Broncos Chiefs. Broncos Chiefs. Patriots, Patriots a couple Patriots. years ago. But the ago, Broncos, but yeah, have been on the wrong side of that for too long, honestly. Broncos Patriots was really good. Now we're on the wrong side of that. It's it's interesting because Avs Red Wings uh, is is essentially not you know not but what it used yeah, to be but they barely play be. each other now do right you f- do you really feel that the nfl is conducive to rivalry still no i no, don't there's too much turnover there's too much turnover and it's too nice now i also it's, feel it's like it's too, just it's everyone just, in your division you yeah, just have everyone in your division is definitely with. a rival yeah. I, I don't see but the bigger game the big game changes from year to year era to era for really the last few years the bigger game's kansas city than the Raiders. well yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It, look every everybody in the nfl has some some rivalry piece but i just don't think that it's it's too much business to be rivalries all the time anymore i just the players don't stick around as as long as they used to like you said Mm. and also 
a rivalry takes some like something shady to go go down or something like that, and that's just not the way the NFL is anymore. The, right. the NFL it's, is a very nice guy. Everybody's friends with each other off the field. League. These Look days. at like Von Miller's pass rush summit. That's yeah. Perfect example. Like. He's you know he's out there with with Raiders and Chiefs. Look, look and at my gym in the off season. Right, it's every it's fifteen different teams all working together. Everybody knows each other. Yeah, you see Tom Brady or it's Von not, Miller interviewing Tom Brady. Yeah, at it's the, not the old school Raider Bronco games where they the same guys are on the field with each other for ten years playing each other. It's yeah. just not the way it is. The, you had literally had Tem- Trent Brown at Von Miller's pass rush summit, and he's going to be facing him. Like, do you, do you ever force? You ever think that you would get? I don't know. Remember Kenny Lanier, the yeah. Bronco tackle? Yeah, do. do you ever think that he would have gone and worked with Howie Long in the offseason? Hell no. Not a shot in hell. And, I mean, it, like last week on your podcast, you were talking about uh, Bradley Van Pelt, like, trying to buy you a drink. And you were like, it's not happening, no. dog. <laughs> like, that, that's not ha- – like, Why in the hell are you in Boulder anyway? <laughs> well, you know why he's in Boulder. He wants to be a buff. Exactly. Every Ram wants to be a buff. So, like, you're not ha- – like, Von Miller isn't turning down drinks from, like, Derek Carr if he walks it. You know? No, they're friends. Yeah. Right. They're boys. They're going to take a picture and talk about their kids and dogs and their nine houses. I think now it's more of the fan bases. That's the rivalry, not the teams, not the players. You know, it's fan bases going after each other. The greatest rivalry in the NFL over the last 15 years hasn't been, like, Packers-Bears or Broncos-Raiders or Broncos-Patriots. It's been Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Yeah, it, it's a lot of it is individual. And even they, they, were, the and they, were, never, and they were never on the field at the same time. No. Because I think it's a huge Brady rivalry. It's, it's definitely a rivalry, rivalry the but they're still it's friends. Just, it's, it's good games. Like they were good. The Manning family against they Tom Brady is a rivalry. They don't hate. Like, there's not, there's not there's hate no, there. And that's my point. Like The hatred you feel in Florida, Georgia, hatred. But that was the only... Colorado, Nebraska's hatred. Michigan, Ohio State, they hate each other. Michigan, Michigan State, they hate each other. C or UCS, USC, UCLA, so on and so forth. In the NFL, it's just not the way it is. It's no. a very civil discontent for an hour, and then shake hands, exchange jerseys, take pictures. All the fans take it ser- pretty seriously, and the players move on with their lives. That's why there are more fights in the stands than on the field. Absolutely, Abs Wild might actually be the best rivalry in Colorado. Right? Hockey Abs players wild. are old school. Yeah. They the hockey player now. Hockey, at least you can kind of duke. <laughs> Not anymore, yeah. really, but I really miss still that, can. by the way. Yeah, I would actually well, they go, still go after I'd go to the college ranks of hockey, even though it's down right now at the moment. Mm. I'd go DUCC. Again, but even then, like, CC's been out of it. But that's you know? the thing. CC's been down, but at least you still have the – you'll always have the geography. You'll always have the fact that they're in each other's backyards. Yeah. Recruiting for the same guys. And someday CCC – or CC – CC will put it <laughs> back together – and then it'll be back at that level. It's just kind of dormant right now. Pro sports, the logos yeah. are rivals. College sports, yeah. you've got the same guys at the same place for five years, and the players become more in, in, immersed in it, in my opinion. I'll say this. CU Nebraska is the closest thing I've seen to a real rivalry. Like this week, the way that the fans and, and the, everything's been happening, that feels like the That's closest thing we've had to a real That's not happening Bronco Raiders, though. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, at all. It's not, even, it's not even happening a little bit. So let me ask you this randomly. If the Big Ten decided we're going to expand to 16 schools and add CU, would you accept? To go play Nebraska again? Just for that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Absolutely. Even though you're I hate the Pac-12. Even though you're going all I the way the Pac-12. To, you're going all the way to Rutgers, Who cares? Maryland for conference games. Cares. Like Ryan, you're very airplanes. hesitant. That's what has me hesitating. Like I, I don't, I don't want to want the I don't want to chase the East them. Coast. State yeah. College Look, Pennsylvania, that we'll put it like this enthrall you in any way it actually does I how about cool. they leave the big 10 too and they just go back to the big 12 i do that we asked yeah, i was on a podcast last night and mm-hmm. i asked would you would do you wish do you miss the, the I big 12? Yes. i think it's big finally 12, to the bro. point we where miss i'm willing ne- to admit I hate that. we miss nebraska colorado we miss texas texas a&m we miss, I miss, we miss kansas mizzou State. kansas well mark miss oklahoma mark Hisler made a really good point uh in his mm-hmm. column this week about seeing nebraska because rick george talked about how it's going to be the biggest uh revenue game in cu's history and and mark took a little dig saying wasn't the whole reason you went to the pac-12 for money reasons that's and the now whole reason they went. you're bringing back the big 12 and now it's going to be the most money you've ever made well, because the pac-12 is bad now have you seen it's, the secondary market for this game i was looking today i think the cheapest seat i saw at folsom for saturday is $234. Bro, I, I, can get, I can get tickets up in Boulder pretty quick, and I can't get tickets this weekend. Right. right. Every other game on the schedule, home and away, the most expensive ticket is 46 
Yep. Or Facts. cheapest ticket is forty six. Pardon me. Like yes. why my my boys and my wife don't want to go because it would have cost us a thousand dollars to go yeah. to the game. Yeah. As of three weeks ago, it was the sixth most expensive college football ticket this season. It is a huge yeah. game, guys. We just went full circle back to talking yeah, about it, and, we here, did. and like mm-hmm. we didn't because even mean to. It's the no, most yeah. interesting but that, thing. That's this my week. point. If, if the Raiders and the Broncos were, re- if the NFL rivalries and the pro rivalries were driven like this, and they were still as popular they, as they were back in the day we'd have just as much raider bronco hate on social media and crap that we'd be dealing with because we're in denver and they're in oakland you know what i'm saying they're playing monday night but it's bronco or uh buffs and huskers is overtaking it because people know the nfl's business and college is actually where you went to school college is your business most yeah. people spent money to have that logo on your chest that's what, so it's more personal for people in college, in my opinion. What about baseball? What about the Rockies and the Dodgers? Nope. What no, about no, the Nuggets no. and the Dodgers the Lakers? Couldn't care the Yankees and the Red the Sox Rockies. is all I care about. Do you want to do you want to call the Padres and the Rockies a rivalry? No, it's I would baseball. avoid talking what are we about it as much about? as possible. Yeah, no, it there's just no there's no rivalry. The, 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 the Rockies haven't been good for yeah. a, uh, enough time in a sustained manner. To have anyone not like them ever, and the Nuggets is, is honestly yeah, what about the, the same. NBA? Uh, like Nuggets Blazers, that has potential. Nuggets Jazz, that has potential. Nuggets Lakers, that has potential. But we gotta win. But yeah. Yeah. you gotta actually do something well, for I mean, people la- to hate you. Last year they had that with the Trailblazers. Right, there was th- that hate. It started. But the reason everyone hates New England is because be they're built. good. Right, you can't just take CU and say, "Look at look at Utah, they're red." Exactly. Yeah, red. I hate them. that. But that that's, of, they just thought like, "How dumb do you think we are?" Because Utah's red, you want us to hate them? But a well, lot, and, a and lot and of rivalries, regional, it's close. Yeah. A lot of rivalries start with aspiration. In the '80s, Bill McCartney looked at Nebraska, said, "They're the big dog. Yep. We are going to take them down." Broncos yep. Raiders in the '70s, Raiders it began the, the same dog. way. Yep. You know, John Ralston. We're going to take these guys down. We're going to find well, a way about to it. do it. Broncos beat the Raiders in the 70s. They played in the playoffs, yeah. probably won the division, and they went to the Super Bowl. Beat them in the AFC title right. game for their first Super Bowl appearance ever. When the Buffs beat the Huskers in the, in the 80s, early 90s, in 2001, and 2002, and 2004, every time we beat them, we played for the Big 12 title. Every time we beat them in the 80s, we played for the national title. Yeah. It big means something. Implications. Big games. They're big games, and if it starts with one side aspiring to be the other, then it doesn't become a, a two-way rivalry until they take something of value like CU did in 89, beating Nebraska at Folsom, the game that really got it going. Amen. All right. Quickly, I'm going to give everyone 10 seconds for this Who Won the Week because we're. I feel like it's just a common thing with BSN Denver podcast. We love to go over an hour. So we're going to do Who Won the Week. Who did the most and who did the least? Who was the dog and who was the beast? Who's in the boat and who's up a creek? Let's see. Who won the week? Mace, let's start with you. Who do you think won the week out of the sports teams? See you. Even though beating CSU is not much, the fact that we are sitting here and making CU the focal point. And frankly, I think all of us expect CU to beat Nebraska. You're damn straight. I, I actually do. Yep, I absolutely There's do. a lot of people that do. All right, Ryan? Oh, I'm going to say Mel Tucker okay. won okay. the week. Switching it up. Just mm-hmm. to, to try and focus it down a little more because of the way that he has his team acting. Like That means they've bought in. They've bought into Mel Tucker because they are act. They are taking on his personality. All right, Henry. College football fans in Colorado. There has not been anything like this in so long. Whether you're a Colorado fan, Nebraska fan, not a fan of either side. This has been incredible, and it's about to get even better. Matt, Man. you got you got ten seconds. <laughs> who won the week? Uh, you know, oh God, this is a tough. I've never done this. Who won the week thing before? I'm going to say that. It, the winner of the weekend is CSU fans because you Ooh. don't have to put up with Mike Bobo anymore after this year. Oh, <laughs> saucy. All right. Well, with that, we are going to wrap this up. Thank you to everyone who's left questions on the pod. Well, they've been more of statements letting us know how you guys feel and who you thought won the week. So we'll go we back to, too. we'll go back to reading those next week when we get back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, but yeah, Come see us if you're going to the Buffs Nebraska game, Franklin Field, BSN, BST, Tailgate, and we will see you next week.